光見つけた空白の時間迷い込んだ宙づりの世界信じられる答え探し求めてよたださまよってよ Yeah, 夜の席まで願わない Yes, I'm missing the light 暇もない受けた決断と最下手に静寂切れ咲いてく誰も彼も出て arrive 守るだけじゃ can't survive Hello and welcome to the 26 and Under seasonal podcast, seasonal anime podcast for the winter spring, winter season, right? Winter? Yeah. Winter? winter? Okay, right. Because anime always starts in the winter and ends in the fall instead of starting in the spring, in, or starting in spring, ending in fall. Uh, the, I am your host, Matt. Joined with me is my co-host. Uh, Patrick Pulsar. How's it going, guys? All right. And we're here to talk about the anime that we watched from last season. Uh, the continuing series for that are from last season going into this season, and any new anime that we might be watching that we want to talk about. So let's get started with uh, last season. So last season, we had a lot of anime that we talked about. Uh, that shrunk down considerably <laughs> from how much we we said we were wa- we or that we watched to how much we are currently watching. Uh, or we finished. So first up is Boarding School Juliet, which uh, I talked about from Amazon Prime. Uh, that series is about pretty much a Romeo and Juliet story set in a boarding school for like uh, two, two technically two technical nations that have to share this territory, and it's either you've got the white Aryan uh, blonde hair. Blue-eyed uh, people, which are uh, which Juliet is a part of, or you have the Japanese Western Asian people, which is what Romeo is a part of, and it's a cute, fun, um, romantic comedy anime that really gets you that really does a good job of adapting like the Romeo and Juliet stuff, but not just going into the tragedy. It's not gonna end the way that Romeo and Juliet ends, which is really nice. Um, characters were really well done. Uh, the actually, there's a character I think you would like in the series, um, named Char, who is exactly your kind of choice <laughs> in anime waifus. Excellent. Uh, but the series is really well done, really well animated. It's on Amazon Prime. If you haven't gone to watch, if you haven't gone and watch it, I highly recommend. Uh, so, uh, speaking of highly recommending, we have Goblin Slayer, which I will highly recommend. And I know you watched a bit, and you, I wasn't feeling it as much, but I do understand why it appeals to a lot of people, though. So, Goblin Slayer, it for those that. May have somehow missed the controversy of the internet for for the first week of last season of anime, or didn't watch our last or didn't listen to our last seasonal podcast. Uh, Goblin Slayer is an anime about a character named Goblin Slayer who walks who only wants to kill goblins. That's about it. Uh, it. It has a real. It takes a D and D setting, and a D and D idea, and it's it it portrays it well. Like this is the D and D anime. I feel. Um, the problem is is that it goes a little too edgy at points. 
um, the anime and manga have this really bad bad thing of we have to exemplify like the fan servicey parts, which the book does not. Like the scene in question that caused a ton of controversy at the start of the season was a um was not that way in the book. But in the manga and in the anime, they fanserviced it up. And it's a little unfortunate. Yeah, I think they really, in hindsight, did a real disservice really to the manga con that one. Because there's probably going to be some people who will watch the first episode and be so turned off that they might not, not just not come back to the show, but might not go to the books instead. And that's a real shame because, you know, I didn't realize that until you told me that. And then when I went back and read the first book, I found myself, you know, enjoying it significantly more. And I think, um, you know, I I understand that studios are under a certain amount of pressure to provide, you know, what they think certain audiences want. But at a certain point, I think you have to ask yourself, is this particular group really worth appeasing if that's what I have to do to do it? So I think the other thing is that this is the Japanese market and they and the problem is, is that anime always tries to appeal to the otaku audience, not really the broad audience in total, which is why you get a lot of like anime that are lollies, like little girls doing things in cute ways, but you can see like all of a sudden some sexual things going on with these little girls and you're like, those girls look like they're five, not okay with this. No, you can't just tell me that person's 18. No, she looks like she's five. Like, it's it's one of those things where um, it's the culture that it's being made for. And we are not the culture that anime is being made for. As much as we wish we were. As much as I wish I was the exact audience that anime was being made for, I know I am not. It's being made for the people in Japan that get to watch it on TV and get to watch and then get to, and get to buy the Blu-rays first. We get Blu-ray imports. We don't get uh, and we get uh, and we have to pay Funimation and Crunchyroll for our anime. So it's not uh, it's not as we're not as priority as the Japanese audience. So like our outrage at oh they put they put dark rape into this and stuff like that. It's like we're our outrage won't reach Japan because they're like, eh, that's that's the Americans. They don't they're going to be like that about everything. Yeah, and I'm sure that's probably come up, I'm sure, in meetings before over there. Yeah. All right. Talk sp- splitting over from uh fan service to fan service. Quadruple S Gridman. Or as I like to call it, Gridman, or as I like to call it, my favorite anime of last season. <laughs> Uh, so Gridman, the original Gridman, was a tokusatsu series from the 90s that was adapted into, uh, Super, uh, Super Cybernetic Samurai Squad. Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad! Yeah, that one. Fun fact, the reason why I remember that show is because the kids in that show were also in a band, and I thought that was the coolest thing ever, that they were in a band and superheroes at the same time. So, uh, in, quadru- in Quadruple S Gridman, which is 
it's obvious that they are acknowledging that we called it something completely different with the quadruple S. Um, this is kind of a sequel to Gridman. Um, you don't learn that till the very end of Gridman, but it is uh, it is an anime tokusatsu. So a lot of people, a lot of people on the internet go, "Oh, it's a mecha anime and stuff like that." And it's like, kind of, kind of, but it's just really a tokusatsu anime where everything in it could have been done in a tokusatsu live action series, like all the monsters move like tokusatsu monsters they move like guys in suits um or big set pieces or like stuff that you can do no problem there's nothing in the series that couldn't just be done in live action um the series in general is really really well actually there's a few things that i think might not have gone so well with live action cg in japan because of how that sometimes is. But like Trigger is great at animating everything that they do. Uh, how do you, how, how, any, anything from you also on this? So I went into this show kind of cold. Um, I mean, I, you know... You know, I, I started watching it about four weeks into the series' run. So, you know, I, you know... I, you know, by then, you know, I'd seen all the memes and stuff about the fan service and everything. So, I mean, I went into the show thinking, okay, well, Trigger's involved. So, that's enough for me to at least give a show a chance just because I love everything they've put out. Even though mecha anime really aren't normally my thing. And the thing that I realized after watching the first couple episodes was that this really did not feel like any mecha anime I had ever watched. It was like from the from the jump of the show, I just had the vibe that something was just really different about it. And that was really, really appealing. And I watched the first few episodes, got sidetracked with, uh, you know, day-to-day stuff. And then I ended up coming back to the show once it was done and just binging it all the way through in one sitting. And I was just completely sucked in. I absolutely loved it. Um, A lot of it was the fact that, you know, I did like the throwback sort of homage to the way, you know, the kaiju characters would move. Like you were talking about how the guys move like they were a guy in a suit sort of. But it didn't feel cheesy. It felt fun. And I think I think that's another big advantage of it being in animated form is there are a lot of things that I think in anime translate better that you can take seriously. Whereas if you were looking at a live action version of it, you might be inclined to chuckle at it a bit. And um, I think that's something that's hurt live action anime adaptations over the years, really. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, Gridman also has the best ending I think I've seen of a thing. It is so definitive that this series is done at the end of it. That was really refreshing compared to, you know, a lot of what you get in an anime now where, I mean, you know, I I like, I like stories that are self-contained where it's like 12 or 13 episodes. I'm like, okay, you told me a complete story. I mean, really, I feel like the only other people who really get that, honestly, Really are the British. I mean, if you watch like a British TV series, a lot of times it's four, five, six episodes, but it gets the job done. Yep. And I'm just going to, we're going to finish off Gridman by saying we both have our stances onto the waifus of this. And want to know the best part? It doesn't matter because they're the same. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't matter who you like out of the two girls in this series they are the same person because of the very end and it's the best it is actually the single 
the single thing that at the very end when you were like, but Matt, I really like Akane. I was like, that's fine. And you and at the, you got to that final episode, you were like, oh, I see why that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so going off of Gridman, we're going into the kind of ro- uh, weird romance anime that is Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai. This anime is freaking good. Holy crap. Um, so to give you a quick rundown, uh, it's the only way I can describe this plot is through its first is through its first arc. Uh, the main character is this no normal light novel protagonist who just walking around town doing all his normal stuff. His sister's a hikikimori who won't leave the house, and. Uh, one day he's sitting in the library and he sees uh, this popular girl from school who's walking around in a bunny girl outfit and try- and just like walking around. Nobody's noticing her and he talks to her and everything. And then it starts to spiral from there where it starts to get into uh, Schrodinger's cat, uh, Laplace's box, um, all these theoretic like all these either theoretical physics um, e- explanations or um psychological uh problems and it's really 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 cool um the series is really good it's not done there is a movie coming out this year to finish it at least finish off the arc that we are currently in um that is not a bad part about it either because the arc feels like it's done but it's not because it's going to finish in the movie this this anime is really really good. It's got so many good likable characters, and this will be tying into an anime that is currently going on. This discussion of why I like Rascal. Um, have you did you watch any of it? I watched the first episode and was intrigued, but also extremely confused. And I I kind of told myself that I felt like it was one that I needed to come back to once it was done with the full season, and I could kind of binge it in one sitting. Because and there's honestly a few shows on the current season schedule that I kind of feel that way about, just because. Um, I mean, and and the thing is, it's not a knock against those shows. I mean, perfect example. I mean, you know, a show like Bacano. I love that show, but the reason why I love that show is I watched it all in one sitting. If I had tried to watch that week to week, I would have completely lost my mind trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Welcome to my experience with Durara, where I was watching that week to week. How? Because it was good. (laughs) It is good, but how in the literal fuck does that show make any sense if you're not binging it? Because I had to rewatch it every week. You're a braver man than I, sir. Let me say right now, <clears throat> Bacano, I don't know how people ever watch that week to week. That thing is amazing. Durara, I don't know how I did it, but I did it. <laughs> it's like somebody dumped out a 5,000-piece puzzle in front of you and said, okay, you can connect one piece per week. Good <laughs> luck. I love, his write- I love that writer's writing style. Holy shit, it's so good. Okay, off of that, into, I love this series so much, it's so good, <laughs> Zombieland Saga. This show is freaking awesome. This show that first episode throws you for a loop, second episode throws you for a loop, and continues to throw you for loops as to what is the, the, what is going on. Um, Zombieland Saga is a 
anime that I am now going to just spoil outright for anybody that hasn't watched it. It is a zombie idol anime. What this means is if you have never watched an idol anime, it is zombie love live or zombie bang dream where it is a idol group that is all zombies that are doing like Japanese idol work. Except the first two episodes, they don't sing any normal idol songs. The first episode, they sing death metal. In the second episode, we have a rap battle between two of the characters. This series is glorious. It has, like, the silliest portrayal of uh, of a manager. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, I work in the music industry. I've met some managers like that. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I'm saying is, like, that... And the voice actor for that manager is one of my favorite voice act Japanese voice actors. Like he does, he did Light from Death Note. He did. Um, okay, I, I can totally hear that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he he did um, Ryuji in Persona Five. He's done so many voices that it's like as soon as I heard his voice, I was like, and I start I heard him doing all this crazy like over the top stuff. I'm like, thank God they gave him they gave him another voice that he gets to be over the top in because he's great at over the top. He is amazing at over the top, and he sold that. He sold that role. Like, yeah, that would be a that'd be a really hard role to follow up on a dub. Like I think. he's on the Crunchyroll Awards for uh, best boy. He has they, they're still up for nomination or they're still up for voting. He is the best boy of last year. <laughs> like this is the Kotaro Tatsumi. That is such a total troll vote. <laughs> no, it is the Kotaro Tatsumi fucking award i don't care that nobody on that award beats him i will fight everyone just like i will fight everyone that voted for fucking Gains in best antagonist of last year he is not an antagonist i will fight all of you sorry i got on my i i got on my crunchy roll award you need to start smoking so. weed man <laughs> no 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 i'm good but Zombieland Saga is super good. It's got so many good characters. Uh, it does a thing with a character that I was not expecting where one of the characters is actually trans. Yeah, that was actually a really interesting twist. And that whole that whole episode, like, I mean, I had kind of told myself, I would found myself in the back of my mind thinking, okay, the one thing that can make this premise not funny and make it just completely, like, flatline for me would be, you know, dealing with their families or friends finding out that they're dead. Because at that point, it's kind of not really funny anymore. And they managed to tell a story in that one episode where it really made it work. And and I, you know, and the thing is, like, you know, you know, I spent the first few episodes, several episodes, laughing my ass off. I was not expecting a feels trip in the middle of the season, but... I mean, that, yeah, that that one was a feels trip, but I think the one that got me more was the episode, I think, right after, which was the Saki episode. Yes, absolutely. Um, and that's mainly because she was my favorite out of the crew. Um, she had, I believe, I, I felt she was one of, like, the best characters in the thing. She has the best concert performance out of all of them with, with at the end of that episode. Like, her concert her her stylized like concert where everybody's in the biker gang outfits and she's got her cool ass like out uh over out of like control biker outfit with her with her ponytail like all all all, all like out and everything like that 
and the way and the animation for that is so great. Mappa, you need to do more of this series. I know you are planning to do more. Do more. The series needs more. Yeah, it was very it was very open ended. You could definitely tell that it was set up in a way where if, if it really caught on with people, they would do more of it. I really hope they do because I mean this is such a fun series and it's such a fun ride. You assholes still haven't explained to us who the legendary Yamada Tai is. You assholes still need to give me that information. I I thought I did not think Kotaro was going to be linked to Sakura's backstory. I thought it was going to be linked to Yamada's to Tai's, and then you guys did that at the end, and I was like, oh okay, that's really cool. So, sorry, I went on a really big tangent there. That was a really good series though. Uh, ten out of ten, must watch. Go watch. Do it. Do it, you cowards. <laughs> so good. So now going into things that are currently still airing from last season that we, that we really liked. Um, this is mostly, it looks like me. So is this is going to be a lot of me and then maybe Patrick chiming in if he wants to talk about stuff. Uh, so first on Amazon Prime, Kara Curry Circus. This series is a series everybody should be watching right now. Like, it, it went places. Patrick, I don't remember if we were talking about if you remember talking about this last podcast. Do you? Um, I remember talking about it a little bit. I think at the time you would you would you seemed really really surprised by it. Yeah. So it continues that. I don't know where it's going right now. I didn't watch last night's episode, and I need to know what happens in that last night's episode because it just keeps going. It doesn't stop. It doesn't slow down, and that like nothing slows down. The plot just doesn't stop. There is a character who is supposed to be, uh, a who who his his adopt the main one of the main characters who was adopted by like, or uh not adopted by but like, I guess adopted by his biological father because he's a bast he's a bastard son and everything. There was a plan for him to have his father's mind implanted into his body. That escalated quickly. This series went from, oh, okay, it's just puppets trying to kill this little boy, to what the fuck is going on? This is more than just puppets trying to kill this boy. This series is constantly changing everything. The Wait, where, where did the puppets come into play? Why are there evil puppets? What? What? So the so in the first episode, um, there are it, it is a it is the boy uh, runs into this dude who's in a who's advertising for a circus and he's like hey can you help me get to the circus and the guy's like oh this is another runaway and then these two guys just come up to him like start taking the boy away and the guy stops them and like and and, like one of them just turns their head around that guy's an automated puppet and every enemy that they fight except for like two in this entire anime are mechanized puppets that sounds really fucking awesome and terrifying also this has the puppets are spreading around a disease that is amplified asthma. That's fucking horrifying. And the only way to cure it is to is to make people feel comfortable around you and make fe- people feel like nothing is wrong. Well, you and I are both hella dead then because no, 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 like, <laughs> it, it's just like you have to have pe- you have to have people laugh around people huh. with it. It is. It is fucked. As a person that actually has asthma, like when I'm seeing what is going on, I'm like, "You're just absolutely <laughs> triggered, aren't you?" <laughs> like I'm like, "Holy shit!" 
Like people don't know how bad it is. Like people who have never have had has had have had asthma. When they see or they don't understand how bad it feels to just stop breathing. It's not fun. <laughs> it it does not it is not fun. This anime does a really good job of adapting it. This anime is from the nineties. This manga is from the nineties, by the way. This anime is not is not from like a current anim- generation anime. This writer was fucking amazing, and I wish, uh, like I wish this series had been an- uh, adapted before now. But I'm so glad it's being adapted now. You know, it's funny that it seems like there's a lot more in the way of nineties and eighties manga being revisited now for anime adaptations and I'm kind of finding myself wondering you know with the sheer amount of manga and light novels that come out now I almost wonder if that's just a lot of people just trying to deep dive to try to find just really good stories or well I feel like Vuln Studio Vuln that does Karakuri Circus is exclusively adapting this man's manga because you want to know what they adapted before what was that Ushio and Tora which was also by Karakuri Circus's writer Okay, see that as a fan of Ushio and Tora because of you turning me on to the show, that that's enough reason for me to check this show out. Like that's it. Like as soon as like I didn't, I was not like I had just seen the art for this. I didn't know anything about it. Um, and then I watched the Mother's Basement breakdown of like last se- uh, of the of this fall season, and he brought up Karakuri Circus, and he brought up that it was the same studio that did Ushio Tora, and it's the same writer that did Ushio and Tora. I was like, wait. He did more than just Ushio and Tora. I need to watch this. <laughs> um, Karakuri Circus, big thumbs up. Uh, we'll be talking again next po- season when it's done. And I'll and it will probably still have these thumbs up, like all of them. If I could grow more arms, all of them would be up for this series. Um, after that, we have That Time I Reincarnated as a Slime, which is more reason that we have to be thankful Sword Art Online exists. Why is that? Because if Sword Art Online did not uh, popularize the isekai genre, we wouldn't have the good ones. Yeah, but to be fair, there's a lot of those anime coming out, and a lot of them are not very fun. But then we get the ones like That Time I Reincarnated Slime, which in the first episode was so good, and then it continued that trend. And now in in the second core, it is going so well. Like this main character is not just is not a Mary Sue, and characters are stronger than him. There are actually characters in an isekai stronger than the isekai protagonist. Well, that's fucking refreshing. It's I'm not even being sarcastic. Seriously, that's awesome. It's so good, and like he he acknowledges this character is stronger than me, and finds a way to subvert her and make her his ally without beating her in a battle through just the silliest shit ever like his power set is absurd like of course it is he's a slime that got like that spent a lot of time doing all this stuff to like he he literally ate a ton of healing herbs so now he makes potions that are like 100% healing <laughs> like they heal you from nearly death to oh you're fine um like he's got all this stuff that makes him bu- busted but he is not the most busted thing. It is really good, really well done. It has a very good feels anime that makes you go, "Oh, I wasn't expecting this." Like that—that that is the 
climax of the midseason. Like, it is so good. I, 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 and there is, there is pulsar bait for you there, buddy. Oh, God. You've seen, you've seen her in the fucking posters. She's the blue haired Oni girl. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> she's, she's there for you, buddy. I, I have a type when it comes to anime women, yep. and Matt knows it. Yep. Uh, that time, that time I reincarnated as a slime, super good, super fun. All the characters really well done. All the comedy so good. Like, I, I, I've, I watched Konosuba. Konosuba so good with its co- comedy. This one is really good with its comedy. Um, after uh, talking about good with its comedy, Mob Psycho 100 season two. This is a new season of a anime from two years ago two years ago right was mob psycho one um mob psycho 100's uh really good i'm gonna just quick quickly like tell you if you watched mob psycho 101 go watch this one if you did not watch mob psycho's first season go watch it then watch this one uh mob psycho is written by one one punch man writer uh it this could like there's a lot i can't talk like this the first episode of Mob Psycho 100, uh, season two adapts my favorite chapter from his manga. I was I did not realize that's where we left off in the first season, and then when they adapted this the the when I saw the first episode I was like, oh this is the this is this episode really, yes I love this episode. Um, it's so good, so well worth your time. Studio Bones does a great job animating it as always. Um, Patrick, have you, have you actually had any of the interaction with Mob Psycho or just, um, I'm about halfway through the first season. So I got to finish the first season up before I start the yeah. second one. And I'm, I mean, the, what I'm hearing now from multiple people is that the second season is like the first season times 10 essentially. Yes. And, um, the thing is what I, what I, it's funny because Mob Psycho and One Punch Man both are kind of connected to me in the sense that those are both shows where when I first watched the first episode, I wasn't really feeling it. Yep. And I was in the grotesque minority on not feeling it with both shows. Like, I mean, I remember telling people with One Punch Man, I watched the first episode and wasn't really enjoying it. And people being like, what the fuck's wrong with you? How can you not think this is the best thing ever? And it I, was, and it, for me, it was just with that one and with Mob Psycho 100, the first episode, it just... I think for me, part of it was part of it may have just been the animation style might have thrown me off a bit. It almost looked it it almost it didn't almost didn't feel like an anime to me at first. And then I went back to both shows. And once I kind of just put that out of my head and was like, look, I just want to watch the show as a show. um, It, you know, by episode two of One Punch Man, I was sucked in and then. With uh, with Mob Psycho 100, I mean, just the I love the whole. I mean, my my favorite character on the show is the the fraud. Everybody's he's favorite awesome. character is he's, Reagan. He's so fucking great. Everybody everybody loves Reagan. He is literally all everybody loves. He is actually going to win Best Boy of this year just because he's always going to win that. <laughs> like, Reagan does not lose that title ever. 
Yeah, see, that's the thing. I mean, like, honestly, like, that was part of why I was initially, another part was for me was also, you know, not necessarily liking the main protagonist on either show, in either show. I wasn't really that big into Saitama in the first episode of One Punch Man, and I wasn't really that interested in Mob in the first episode of Mob. I was interested in the, the Huckster guy. But then, as I kept watching the show, I was like, okay, cool. So the show really is about this guy. <laughs> Well, and there's also – and also you go into the mob. The difference between mob and One Punch Man is that One Punch Man is about a person that is at the peak. And his problem is that he can't find any reason to care. Uh, mob Cycle 100 and me and uh, me and my me and our friend Gable uh, have talked about this a bunch of times is more about a person who is at the peak but is trying to still fit in. It's more about a person trying to fit in and be a person than a person that understands how to be a person and is just and doesn't have anything that he cares about. Like when you go one punch when you look at Sidemon from One Punch Man, ninety percent of the time he's just like I I kill everything that I touch. I don't care. But when you look at Mob, Mob's not like I don't care. Mob is literally Mob cares about everything because he's trying to be a person mom almost has the opposite problem he cares too much yeah he he's he's a he's a socially awkward person that is trying to have people like him and be the person like he's trying to become a better person he's not trying to stay the same person that he is he's trying to change his person that's why he joins the physical fitness club that's why he um, is constantly trying to like talk to people and like get better at stuff. Uh, that's why he has a cult following. <laughs> you haven't gotten to that episode, I don't think yet. Have I don't you? think I have. No. Oh man, that's so good. Um, anyways, Mob Psycho, really good. Always a recommend from me. Uh, Studio Bones and 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 one as a writer is really good. Also, the reason why this one looks really weird. One Punch Man was not done in its original art style. This one is. <laughs> this one is animated in one's art style, not in uh, Yusuke Murasa's, which is okay. I like I like ones. I like I read I read One Punch Man in the web comics, so I'm used to the shitty drawings. <laughs> it's really good. Uh and finally, JoJo. <laughs> <laughs> I love JoJo's. JoJo's Part 5 is so good. It's doing all the things I love. It hasn't changed its OP yet. I'm so confused. And I was expecting an OP change by now. We still haven't had one. Maybe there's one today. We're recording on a Friday, so I haven't gotten to watch my JoJo's yet. But um, for those that don't know, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, really good. It's up to Season 6 of its thing. Technically part five, but season six. Actually, no, it's season five. Yeah, it is season five. First season was the first two parts. Um, for those that don't know what JoJo's is, JoJo's is a weird series for weird people that like to hear American band names yelled in Japanese. Don't watch it in English. Patrick? Yeah, I mean, um, with JoJo's, that's another one where I have to, I, have to, I still have to catch up. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to talk about anything of the part. I'm just telling people to go watch JoJo's. No, I mean that's the thing. I mean, and I feel like JoJo's is like, you know, over the top enough that 
you could, as long as you know, like, what core or arc you're jumping into, you could probably jump into it without being too confused, I would think. I think you have to watch from part one. Yeah. Um. So, as a, as a longtime JoJo's fan, it's not just me doing the JoJo meme that everybody goes of, oh, I start with part three because that's where everybody else started. No, 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 no. Even though part one is not great, you can't skip part two because... You can't. I'm going to fight you all. Part two is unskippable. Uh, you have you do have to watch part three. Part three is like where most of the content comes, comes from. But part one is kind of the prequel to part three. Because part one explains who Dio is. Part one, like, if, like, the funny thing is, is that, and a lot of people have started to realize this, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is not about JoJo. It is about Dio, the villain, and how he affects the world, but he's always affecting a JoJo. But it's interesting because the first series is about Dio. The second series is not about Dio. Every subsequent series afterwards, Dio has influence in it again. It's just one of those things that that's, that's what goes on. I know. Okay, and pa- and Patrick's kind of like like I know Patrick doesn't have a lot to say on this matter. I'm just like spouting out all my JoJo stuff, so I'm just gonna finish with go watch JoJo's. Time for new anime. Okay, speak talking of new anime, and we talked about things that you have to binge if you really want Boogie Pop and others. <laughs> I really want to watch this show. I am not even going to try to watch this show until the season's done. <laughs> uh, so I think you can watch the first three episodes because that's the first arc. And that will tell you all you need to know because that's the first episode. The first three episodes is the first episode. Oh, that, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, we are not done with the second episode yet, I don't think. I have to watch this today's episode because, again, it's Friday. This is when this updates. Um, I'm watching this weekly. I can understand people not... <laughs> I can 100% understand people not. This series is very much like Serial Experiments Lane or um, Ergo Proxy or Monogatari or those high-thinking weird ones that are hard to watch on a weekly basis. Yeah, Monogatari is one of my favorite series, but I didn't get into it until I was able to just binge you know, the first couple of major seasons of it. I mean, mean all of it? Yeah, because it's... You mean binge everything except for the thing that comes out this year? Because that's this is what you are at right now. You're binging like 12... You're binging 12 things. Yeah, exactly. You are you? are Did you make sure to pull up the chart to know the correct order? Yes, I did. Okay, good. Because that's one of the problems is if you watch them in airing order, you're going to get fucking mad. <laughs> yeah, I someone already told me that if I tried to watch it in the order that they aired that I would just end up rage quitting the whole thing. Yeah, no, it's... Um, anyways, back to Boogie Pop. Boogie Pop and others, by the way, is also not new. Um, the light novel is actually the progenitor of light novels. Wow. This is, this is what started the light novel craze. Um, this series is like 30 or 40 books long. This series is really, really in-depth and weird. I'm very excited to see more of this and i hope that madhouse adapts more of the books 
besides the ones that they're planning. Now, um, if I could get you to clarify something for me and for, I think for a lot of people actually, because I know okay. this confused me initially. Okay. So when I first heard about this series coming out, my initial thought was, is this a sequel to Boogie Pop Phantom or a remake? Oh boy, or what I is can it? talk about this. Okay, so Boogie Pop Phantom, for those that have watched it, is a... Uh, is a anime adaptation, not of any of the books, but of its own original story set in the world of Boogie Pop and others. Or of Boogie Pop. It's not actually just called Boogie Pop, but... Um, so the issue is, is that if you were coming into this expecting to like watch Phantom and know stuff from Phantom, Phantom doesn't use a lot of the actual stuff from Boogie Pop and others. Um, Boogie Pop and others starts with pretty much, like, you can think of this as the prequel, kind of, to Boogie Pop Phantom, but this is actually just its own thing, and Boogie Pop Phantom was put out when they didn't think they could adapt the entire thing. That makes sense. Thanks for clarifying that, because I think a lot of people were kind of confused by that, and also, I think there were probably people who were maybe hesitant to dive in because of that. They weren't sure if they would be able to go into it without knowing what's going on. I, I didn't, I never watched Boogie Pop Phantom. Uh, I've only watched Boogie Pop and others. I watched the first episode and I was like, I, I was confused enough to watch it again. And I was like, I'll probably get more in episode two. Then I watched episode two and rewatched episode one. I was like, I get everything almost. Where's episode three now? <laughs> like, it is one of those things you just need. You, I can understand people not watching it and waiting to binge. I am not one of those people. I need I need my answers to be drip fed to me. I need just just squeeze out more answers every week for me to just ah ah. Yep. I want I want all of it. Um so speaking of drip feeding, but this time on fucking horror and making me think have to like worry about what's gonna happen every fucking thing. Cliffhanger the anime promised never- Neverland. <laughs> the promised heart attack. <laughs> Holy fuck, this, this last week, last night's episode fucking left on the majorest of cliffhangers. And I'm like, you fucks, you did what? <laughs> right there? Ah. <laughs> so, I'm... I've never done this before, even though it has happened once or twice. I know you're reading the manga before watching the anime. <laughs> God, it's like it's like the worst confession booth ever. You walk in and they already know what you did. Yeah, I know you have. <laughs> I know what you've done. So I watched the first episode of this show. Lost my fucking mind. Uh-huh. Started reading the books. Yep. And did not stop. Yep. Because this is the opposite of most shows where I'm like, okay, I want to be able to binge it all in one sitting. This is a show where I absolutely positively have to know what happens next. So... I keep having that temptation, but I'm like, I'll wait till the season's done, and then I'll go read. Well, I'm about 100 chapters in, so I think I'm basically at, I think I'm basically at where if they were to do, I'm not sure if they're just doing a 12 or 24 episode season with this one. We can check real quick. Um, we have, we have we technology. Have the te- we have the technology. Let me, let me find Promise Love Neverland on this list real quick. There we are. Uh, it is set for 12 episodes. Okay, so my guess is that this will probably end at about the halfway point of where I'm at in the books. 
but the impression that I get from the books is that they've got a way further way to go. And I'm probably at this point, I've, I've read up enough in the books where I'm like, I'm probably going to wait to keep reading until I watch more of the show. Um, but man, this show has set the bar really damn high for the rest of this year. It really has. I like how Sasuke turned into light. Yeah. <laughs> I like how L is also in this series and he's, and he's got white hair like near and he's fucking good. And I like how the generic shonen protagonist is just not included in any of the fucking espionage currently that's going on. And she's just innocent and happy right now where I am. You keep quiet, you person that knows more about me about this series than I do. Yeah, I'm I'm not saying a word. I know you're not. You're giving me looks and I'm like, I've given people this look before when they talk about my hero and stuff. You be quiet, you now, dirty heathen that This has- is So this is this is kind of a difficult show to talk about in the sense that you're kind of in order to talk about it in any sort of depth beyond oh my god you have to watch it right now you kind of have to spoil the first episode which child is honestly, murder which well i guess that ship has sailed so here's the basic premise of this show you've got this orphanage with about 40 kids on it ranging from the ages of 2 to 11 and you have three three 11 year olds in particular who are major standouts in the school. They're the most athletic, the most intelligent. I believe they're the only three that are 11 years old at the start of the series. Yeah. They're the, they're the oldest kids at the start. Um, and their, their home in this orphanage is pretty idyllic. You know, they have all the food they want. It seems like it's safe. They seem like they're well cared after. Um, the woman who runs it, who's called mom is just absolutely loved by the kids. And then, the three oldest kids find out the truth about the place and it's not good. Um, It's kind of one of those shows where you watch the first episode and you're kind of, you're kind of waiting for the shoe to drop because everything just seems a little too perfect or it'll either seem too perfect or you'll kind of see something out of the corner of your eye that has that uncanny Valley feeling that something's wrong. This is 100% made in abyss again. Absolutely. (laughs) Made in abyss. Cute little children going on adventures. Yay! This cute little children living in an orphanage. Yay! I don't trust any of this right now. You you have you have geared me to not trust little children having happy times, Anna. Yeah, we are on to you and your bullshit. <laughs> children don't have happy times anymore. Oh my god. This series is so good. Yeah, and the and the contrast in animation styles in this is so great in terms of character design. I mean, the kids are like adorable as hell it's like all the protection instincts kick on the minute you see them yeah and then the things that show up look like something out of fucking hr geiger's wet dreams they're terrifying Ah, those those things are scary as shit i i there are characters that are having nightmares in the anime i'm like these characters are having apt nightmares those things are horrifying If I saw one in real life, I don't think I'd be able to live live in the outside world again. I also I know who my troll vote is for best girl this year. Okay, Sister Crone. I hate her. <laughs> That's I why, because she's the best. Because she is the worst. I hate Sister so much. <laughs> she is like the best worst character. Like you are going to hate her and love her at the same time. I I hate her. That 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 that's that episode where she's playing tag with them, like. You know, and and like the fact that, you know, for the majority of the kids, it's just them having fun. And for those three kids, you know just how fucking terrified they are. Yeah. And that 
that sequ- and, and that's another thing about this show. I mean, like if you're if you're going into this expecting like you know, you know, '90s anime, you know, blood splatter everywhere. It's not that kind of horror. No, this, this is-, is that this is that kind of horror that creeps into the back of your head and doesn't fucking let go. And one of the things that I think is amazing about this show, and something that I think really doesn't get talked about enough in anime, and really in animation in general, is the way the shots are framed. Because anytime these kids are talking, the camera looks like it's spying on them. Like, you're looking at it almost from the view of, like, if you were in the bushes or behind a shelf or behind a doorway, listening in on these kids talking. And it gives you this overwhelming feeling of nothing they do or say is not getting watched or heard. And that just adds to the tension of the show. And it, it's it's a masterful job by the animators and by the studio to know how to frame those shots that way. Yeah, I'm just going to also finish up this by saying anime is real good. I... Horror anime has always had a problem. And the problem is, is that they always want to exemplify gore and all this stuff. And it becomes more like a slasher film than it becomes a horror where you feel dread every time you're watching. Where you are afraid to continue watching, but you have to. Uh, Promise Neverland is constantly keeping me in fear of like, when is the bad thing going to happen? I know something bad's going to just occur, and it's going to suck. Horror is absolutely, in my opinion, the hardest genre to get right in anime, or really in animation, period. And and the irony is, it also happens to be my favorite genre in anime. Yeah. Um. So, we talked about this earlier with that, uh, that time I reincarnated Slime being a reason why we have to be thankful that Sword Art Online exists. Rising of the Shield Hero is 100% the reason why... Sword Art Online has to be appreciated for its existence. We don't have to like it, but fuck if it did not get an anime and get and get the and popularize this genre, Rising of the Shield Hero might never have seen this anime adaptation, and that would have been a crime upon humanity. This anime is so good. And this also ties into another thing I was talking about. Remember when I said in Bunny Girl Senpai that that was going to tie into a series for this one? Uh-huh. It ties into this because the two main characters, the the main guy and main girl, Bunny Girl Senpai, they are the two main characters of this one. What? They Their voice actors are in this. Okay, I was going to say, I was, like, I was really, really yeah, confused for so a second. It, and, <laughs> and it's literally like they're not the same characters, but they kind of are. So, for everybody, I'm going to run through the quick plot synopsis of Rising of the Shield Hero. I, I'm going to do my joke one, and I'm going to tell you the actual one. The joke one, this is the plight of everybody who's ever played tanks and MMOs. This is the plight of everyone. Everybody keeps treating the main character like shit because he can't fight with a weapon. He has a shield. And everybody goes, fuck him, he's bad. And I talked to my friend about this who plays MMOs. He's like, oh, so he's just a tank. It's like, yep. Yep, that's correct. Holy shit. That is correct. So now to go into the longer explanation. So Rising of the Shield Hero, uh, we follow uh, our main character whose name is escaping me right now because I just call him Shield Hero most of the time. They don't call him Shield, uh, they don't call him shield Hero, but I was just calling him Shield Hero. Um, he is the... He is in his his world because this is an isekai and he just 
wandering around, grabs this book, starts reading through it, and talks about a spear hero, a, a sword hero, a bow hero, and then he flips to the page of a shield hero, and he gets sucked into this magical world where he is in a magical portal. There are three other guys, and he's got a shield attached to his arm, and the other guys have a bow, spear, and sword. They are each the four heroes that were summoned to this world to deal with what is called the waves, which are pretty much gauntlet waves of monsters that come in, destroy places, and like deal with stuff. And uh, the four heroes are supposed to fight through all the waves to clear to clear everything out so that the world is safe. Uh, we have our four heroes: the shield hero, which is the main character, sword hero, who is voiced by Kirito. And looks like Kirito, and sounds like Kirito, and smells like Kirito, and is Kirito. <laughs> um, the spear hero, who is every harem, uh, every like, you know those flashy harem protagonists, the flashy guys that like are super, like all the girls flock to them because they're pretty boys. That's that's our spear hero. He's all up in his own ass. He's an asshole. He apparently gets better at, uh, later in the series, but for right now, he's a fucking asshat. And then we have our bow hero, who's, who seems to be more of a... Um, so, uh, he's he's a little bit just like a... He, we haven't had a lot of him, but he seems like the bookish type. He some, seems like the like kind of learned person. So, the interesting thing is, they're all different isekai main, uh, protagonists. This is an isekai about isekai protagonists that aren't just one, but four getting summoned into the world. Um, and each of them even come from their own different Japan, where different things have happened. Because in one VR, because guess what? The Kirito fucking lookalike, VR MMOs exist. <laughs> and, he, and he's so good at them. <laughs> it was just like, this is... This is so hilarious. He's literally Kirito. Kirito got put into the series. It's great. So is this is this almost like a parody of no. the genre? No, it's not. This is one hundred percent a serious take on the genre. And it's really good. The thing, the the reason why I'm stating that this character is Kirito, he's not Kirito, but he is, is because his similarities to Kirito in general just is that kind of isekai protagonist, and it's each one is their own type of isekai protagonist, except for the main character. The main character is a light novel protagonist. He is not an isekai protagonist. He doesn't feel like an isekai protagonist. Um, and that's where this series starts to go weird. Because So they go over to the king. King runs through everything. All, each of the we weapon wielders get to say their name. And they're like, I am this person. I'm this years old. And he's like, goes to start continuing. And the shield hero is like, but I haven't introduced myself. He's like, okay, who are you? Ah, I I am me and introduces himself and they're like cool bye and they and they go through all this stuff uh the next day they are getting their party assignments right because they need help so the king got all these helpers to go help them <coughs> in uh uh the so when all, so the king goes go to the perspective hero that you want Motoyasu the spear hero Gets all the females on his team. Uh, Ren gets a pretty balanced team, which is the Ren is the sword hero. Uh, forget the bow hero's name. Gets like an also pretty balanced team, and then main character has another one behind him, 
And then there's, and then the king goes, ah, I see there's a rumor going around that the shield hero knows nothing of our world and all this stuff. And it's like, what? Why is everybody treating him like crap all, all of a sudden? Like, why is all this going on? And then one of the people in Motoyasu's party go, feels sorry for him and goes, oh, I'll join his party and joins his party. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. This is not, by the way, the person that voices the main girl of, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, Bunny Girl. This is not her. Trust me, this is not her. Uh, so they go through. She she does some training and everything. We find out that he can't equip weapons. He that can, could be kind of problematic. He only has a shield and can only use shield. So uh, he ha- so he is trying to fight all these level one mobs and he's dealing with them, but it's going slowly and he's getting very low progress. Um, is he, he stuck just kind of meleeing them since he doesn't have a shield? Or since he just has a shield? He's stuck, stuck punching them and yeah. hitting them with the shield. <laughs> Fun. Um, <laughs> But his defense stats are absurd. Like, he's getting hit and taking very little damage, as one would expect from a tank. Yeah. Um. So, we go in. So, he goes in, buys uh, buys the party member some items and equipment and everything, and buys himself some equipment. And they go into the inn, and they get, and she, and they're having a little, like, celebration. She's like, hey, maybe you should have some drinks with me. And he's like, no, 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 no. I don't touch the stuff. And she's like, oh, okay. And then he goes up and he's like, I'm going to turn it in early for the night uh, because we got to get up early tomorrow. And she's like, okay, I'm going to stay down and drink for a bit. And then he wakes up. All his stuff's not in his room anymore except for his shield and the stuff he was wearing when he was in bed. Uh, So he runs over to her room and starts knocking. And then guards come and take him to the king. And she's crying in uh, Spear Hero's chest. And she's like, he claims that he raped her. Jesus Christ. He didn't. He was asleep and woke up and she's and she's like and he's like, hey, but what about that? Where? And he looks at uh, Motoyasu and he's wearing the armor that he had bought himself earlier. And he's like, but Motoyasu is wearing my armor. And she's like, and he's like, no, she gave this to me as a gift when I helped her. And it's like. And so he pretty much gets defamed. And he goes to the, but like there are people that still go, oh wait, <coughs> uh, like he goes and meets the weapon guy, the weapon store and uh, owner, and everything, and he like puts him up against the wall. He's like, how dare you do this? And he's like, I didn't do it. And he's like, oh, you pro, like he looks at him. He's like, you're telling the truth. Like you didn't, and like. Like, there's all this... I don't know. That's kind of a heavy accusation to just take well, someone's no. word that they didn't do it. No, like, literally, he's, like, you can see he is at the point where he's, like, he he get, he goes, he falls, like, really hard. Like, after this, he's falling for a long time. Um, and he falls so far that by the end of the episode, he's going into, uh, he meets this strange-looking motherfucker that looks like he works at a cir- circus... Who takes him to this big top, which is a slave trader. And he buys a slave. And that's his party member. And that's the girl that is voiced by um, my Sakurajima's voice actor in uh, uh, Bunny Girl Senpai. Now, you may be going, but Matt, he bought a slave. That's really bad. No. The second episode explains that he's not an asshole. And he's not one of those people that's like, 
I'm going to make you do my bidding and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, not blah. to mention the fact that he bought a girl slave after being accused of rape. That now, does not look good. <laughs> now, here's the thing. At all. Here's the thing to explain to you. She was, A, sick. Like, she's sickly and dying. And he f- heals her and makes her better. Uh, he needs somebody to fight for him. Right. He can't fight. So he needed somebody to fight for him, but nobody would actually party with him. So this is the only option left because he, if, he, if he's to survive, he needs to have somebody to help him. Um, and he's not, a, he's not a terrible person. He is not the kind of person that gets a slave and immediately starts abusing them and all that stuff. The only time he makes her do stuff against her will is at the very beginning when she's not trying to fight things that are trying to kill them. And, she's, and he's like, if you don't, you need to fight this because if you don't, we die. So I'm going to use the thing that will kill you to listen to me because we need to kill this. And so she kills it and then she starts realizing, no, we need – she becomes a fighter and everything. And the series just constantly tries to shit on the main character. And like the world tries to shit on the main character, all the nobility, all the uh, people linked to the king. And we find out, by the way, that that girl that accused them of rape, she's the king's daughter. She's the princess. Yeah, I don't think he's ever beating that accusation. Jesus Christ, man. No, you want to know what's the funny part? That's all conspiracy by the king. Wow. The king is obviously against him from the start. You think the king sees something there that other people don't and just so, doesn't want him, just wants him gone? No, so there's a um so they've they've talked a little bit about this and I've read a little bit more and I kind of understand where it's coming from but I'm not going to like go into major spoilers. All I'm going to say right now is that um the shield hero has like previous shield heroes have been known to be kind to the beast people which is what his uh slave is. And certain people don't and it's a racism thing towards the beast people. Beast people are most commonly slaves and because because they are hard work because they're good workers and everything like that, and they are not normal people. So, of course, the normal people look down on them, but the shield hero apparently is known to be kind to all beast people. Hmm. So, it's one of those things where uh, shield hero is more along the lines of he is following the hero he is supposed to be. He is the kind of person that is kind to all the people, but he's getting shat on because... It's not politically convenient for the people in power at the time. And the funny thing and the funny thing is, is that they've brought up our society in the first episode they bring up our society is a matriarchy. That's interesting. There's a king. Their society is a matriarchy. We've also in the latest episode seen where the scene the queen is not currently in town. But she's on the shield hero's side. Wow. So, um I'm very interested to see I, I kind of know broad points of where this story goes, and it's really cool. I'm excited because this is going to be a 24 to 26 one. Um, I highly recommend it to people. Uh, episode 4 is the best episode of anime I have seen in the last two years. It adapts a person going through a mental break. And then being brought back from the edge so well that it is so good. Like, holy shit. That's awesome, man. 
Uh, now we're going to go into something that's completely me talking about things that I love a lot. Saint Seiya, uh, Saintia Seiya Show. What's that about? So have you ever heard of the original series Saint Seiya? I uh, can't say I have. So Saint Seiya is an old series from like the 70s where it's a bunch of dudes that ha- that are like in like se- uh, Sentai-like armor that punch people and uh, fight with their constellation based cloths. Um, this is, I don't know the term, so I'm going to say it's not a sequel, nor is it a prequel It is happening at the same time as Saint Seiya, but showing stuff that happened. Not while we were following Seiya. I think the term that I've u- heard used before was side cool, which it sounds really dumb, but it kind of makes sense. It's almost like when they came out with that 300 movie that was taking place at the exact same time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, that's the thing is this is not like they actually have the things that go on in Saint Seiya going on. And you're like, oh, OK. And then it's like and now it's time for the thing that we didn't see in Saint Seiya because this is when everybody was busy was like down or do in hell or whatever and it's like oh this is really good um it's not great animation because it's toei but if you like saint Seiya, it does all the animation the way saint Seiya does it the only problem i could see people having is this is more of a focus on female characters because it's about the female saints instead of the male saints and it's really interesting it does a really good job of adapt of making its own op that keeps in keeps in touch the saint Seiya op of pegasus fantasy but have it be a female driven one instead of pegasus fantasy which is about saint Seiya. this uh uh and it's interesting and good like i like it um if you like saint Seiya, give it a shot Tell me I'm wrong on, on Twitter or something, and I'll go, cool, you got me. Um, that's I'm just going to say that short bit because not maybe not everybody's watched Saint Seiya. It's just a thing that I love, and I will say that this is good. I like this. Um, this also started in the middle of last season, just randomly. So we're on, like, episode 10 or something. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it, it had a weird seasonal start so we couldn't talk about last season i wanted to talk about it do you think that was by design or do you think maybe it was like a production delay or something well i think that uh toei is gonna it's not gonna be just a 12 or 24 gotcha i think it's gonna be a question mark question mark question mark till it's done um that seems to kind of be par for the course with them yeah so moving on to our only non-crunchyroll series for the one from amazon prime dororo which is one that you've been watching a lot so this show, um, this is another one of those ones that is setting the bar very high for the year. Um, and this was one that I told myself I'd watch the first episode of out of curiosity, but was completely blown away by. Um, as mentioned by Matt, it's the uh, only one currently on our list from Amazon Prime. Although I will say that Amazon Prime has been consistently great in terms of cherry picking great shows. And this, I think, continues that for sure. So Dororo is, again, another uh, series that is based on a classic manga, this manga being from the 1960s. Um, By Tezuka. By Tezuka. And there actually was an anime made of it back in 1969 originally. Now, this new version, um, it does, from what I have read and seen, take some liberties from the original manga. The 
the art style is updated to a more modern look. Um, one of the things that I think fans of the classic manga have mentioned that they really liked, but I think would have been a turnoff to modern fans, is that the original manga did sometimes have a very cartoony look. And I think that would have that's not something that would have translated very well now. And so a lot of the art has been updated to have a significantly darker look. And I think it adds to it very well just because the story in and of itself has a lot of elements of body horror and occult horror that really I don't think would have translated well in the original with the original art style. Well, so that's it. So what what are you describing about the cartoony style? That's Tezka's style. Like Tezka draws that way. Um, Them change like... And from what I heard from, so the only thing I know about Dororo was from Mother's Basement's uh, video about uh, the anime of this season, which a lot of the things we're talking about is were anime from that list, but we had chosen these mo- like months before, or like weeks before that came out. Um, so Dororo, uh, he points out that it doesn't sell well with Tezuka's original style. Like when you read it, it's like, uh... Uh, this is not like the best thing from Tezka, but when you adapt it with the style, it looks great. It works better because it's more of a horror anime now and not just an action anime. Yeah, and the, and the thing is, the with the with the with the actual story itself, I think it would have been really impossible to animate it with the original look. I mean, um, like the overall premise itself is pretty terrifying. It takes place during the Sengoku period. And it revolves around a daimyo who renounces Buddha and chooses to make a pact with demons in order to attain wealth and power. And he says that he is willing to give up anything. He said, anything of mine you can have. Well, the demons decide to uh, basically take his son. So when his son is born, he is born basically as this limbless, eyeless, organless husk. Uh, <laughs> and okay. the mother's reaction is, well, I don't care. This is my child. I'm going to love it forever. And his reaction is to laugh and know that his deal has been sealed. And basically his attitude is to have the child thrown away because as far as he's concerned, he's got what he wanted. Well, the midwife isn't about to do that. So she sends the baby floating along, you know, in the hopes that someone will find it. In Moses-esque yes. way. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a lot of Old Testament allegories in, mean, this, in this series, for sure. What? The Japanese love uh, taking things from the Old Testament and just making silly things out of them. No, they absolutely do. And Ava, the thing is... Ava never did that. Yeah, seriously. So, 17 years later, there is a person with swords for arms and legs going around um, murdering the shit out of demons. Um, Now, it turns out that basically this child did survive to adulthood somehow. We're still in the show figuring out exactly how this happened. But they've been trained to kill and they basically wander around as a ronin samurai. They cannot see or hear or speak but they have this otherworldly sense of it's like they can it's like he can detect people's aura sort of and there's an interesting moment in the second episode where they've been kind of where he's on the run basically with this uh, child thief who finds him and kind of just sticks around him cuz he's fascinated 
And in the second episode, there's this interesting point where it's like, you know, they keep bringing up just bad luck after bad luck after bad luck. And finally, it looks like their luck's turning around. And the sor- and the samurai immediately goes to try to kill the person who's just finally been helping them. And it's like, what the hell's wrong with you? And then you find out, well, there was a reason why. Because there was something that he could detect that no one else could. But this show, if you're looking for something that's dark, that's intense, that has great action sequences, that has great animation, um, this is a show I would highly recommend. This this is a show that honestly kind of – I could see people who don't normally watch a lot of anime because you know they, they don't like everything being said in a high school or everything being said in like a video game world. If you just want something that has a very like gritty – I mean, it's nowhere near as violent as something like Ninja Scroll, but if you want something that's got that kind of like gritty old school kind of like lone wolf and cub, lady snowblood feel to it, this is definitely something I think you guys would like. So I would definitely recommend checking out Dororo. All right. And moving into, you talked about things in high school. Let's talk about a thing in a high school. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Kaguya-sama, love is war. Uh, this was brought up to me by my friend Gable. Uh, to go watch this. And I was like, well, why should I go watch this? I, I watched the first episode and immediately went, ah, I see why I needed to watch this. This is JoJo stand battles with people trying to make each other f- confess their feelings. Two characters <laughs> trying to have JoJo-esque stand battles of mind, of, I need, uh, of mind battles, like sitting here going, you're going to do this. I'm going to make you do this. I'm going to make you to ask me to go to the movies and like sitting here watching all this crazy mental gymnastics as to how this is going on and like what all is going on and everything. And I'm like, this is, this is all I needed. This is all I needed. I didn't need anything else this season. This all, this is all I needed. Holy shit. The series is so fucking good. See, like I watched the first episode and loved it, but I also found myself thinking, I don't know if I could stand sitting through an entire season of these two doing this shit. It's like, just make out already. No, no. See, the best part is that it's just that the best part about this is the only people that are making this impossible for them is them because they are too up their own asses to just admit it. (laughs) Yeah. And I will say this as someone who is not a fan of narcissists. It is kind of fun watching two narcissists fuck themselves over on a regular basis. I love watching these narcissists. I love watching narcissists in anime because they're always adapted well. But holy shit, these two are such good narcissists. Oh my god. Like, one one is the kind of narcissist where he worked his way up from the ground up. Like, he is the... He's the person that has had to work his way from down... From, like, poor, like bad grades and everything to being the top of his class and then we have kaguya who was born in the elitism she was born into the company that owns 90 percent of japan pretty much and is like you have these two characters that are like polar opposites of the spectrum of why they are such big narcissists and then you have the chaos that is the fucking mid- <laughs> fucking pink-haired girl. <laughs> She's the best. No, but, like, and that's the thing is, like, they can put all the plans in motion to do their thing. And then all of a sudden she comes in out of left field and just whacks all their plans aside and goes, but what if we do this instead? Like, my favorite one is when... uh. They're trying to figure when the main when the main character or what, I can't say main character 
because they're both the main character. When the dude is trying to get him and uh, Kaguya to go on the shopping trip for this uh, party that they're setting up, and they go, okay, well we have we're gonna do it with the loser, the people that lose the don't say this word game are the ones that are going to do it. And they all wrote wrote down a word, passed it to the person on the left. He wrote down the word for the pink-haired girl. He's like, I'm going to give a word that she won't ever say. And, it, and it's like, it translates to check it out. And they all hold up their things, and we don't really see anybody else's but hers. And then she starts acting like a rapper. And he's like, no, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And... And it's going in his head. It's like, shit, she's going to say it. She's going to say it. And then all of a sudden, she gets both of them to lose. Because she just, like, so uh, she wrote love on Kaguya's forehead. And it's like, how the fuck is she going to, how the fuck are we going to get her to say love? She'll never say love. She literally gets her to say love. And it's hilarious. And then... And then uh, the one for the uh, for the dude is something that he just obviously always says, and then he says it, and it's just like, what? I lo- oh. <laughs> and also, I love how the end credits is just her dancing around in the office. That's only one episode. <laughs> but I also love how it's turned into a meme because it literally it, it, you can match it up with any song, and it's it works so good. And she's so good for the series. Oh my god. I can't Honestly, I watched the show more for her than for the main two. <laughs> oh, no, I watched the show for the main two. Holy shit. Kaguya and her maid are great. I can't... I, I want more. I want more of this show. This show is... Gr- this show is just making me laugh all the time. Ah, sorry. And is so good. So awesome. If you love... If you like romantic comedies, or if you like Death Note, or if you like... uh, If you like Death Note for the cat and mouse like mind games that are going on or if you like jojos for the mind games that go on when they have a stand stand battle go watch this this is right up your alley especially if you like over top bullshit like jojo go watch this this is right up your alley um and now to the last thing on our list which is sweetness incarnate uh my roommate is a cat my roommate is a cat is about a but uh, is about a light novel writer who his parents died like a few years ago and he's been in kind of a clinical depression and everything like that. And one day while visiting his parents' grave and paying his respects, a little cat comes in eats, and takes the offering and eats the offering. And he's like, and he just decides to take the cat in because it, it inspires him on to what to write next. And he's writing a mystery novel about a cat that's a murderer. And it's really interesting and cool. Um, And the cat... And the series does this thing where half the episode is from the main character's perspective, where it's a human, and he's just, like, trying to figure out how to become a cat owner, pretty much, from never never having a pet to his in his life to understanding how it is to own a cat and becoming a person, like, learning how to be a person from this cat. And then the second half of the episode is always the cat. Confuses the why the human is being is dumb and doesn't understand and doesn't understand what the human's doing and it's kind of this interesting thing because we go from the cat to the person to the cat to the person and it's you you're starting to realize it's just this really fun slice of life that is heartfelt and nice and makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside when you watch 
and it's making me want a cat, and I know I can't take care of a cat. I know I can't. I have two cats, and they're awesome, yeah. and I kind of want to watch this show because it sounds adorable as fuck. <laughs> it's so nice and fun, um, but it, like, I know for a fact I could never take care of a cat. I could never take care of a pet by myself. Having a cat's kind of like having a roommate who's kind of a dick but gets away with it by being cute. Having a dog is like having a really dumb kid that never moves out and gets a job. I love dogs too though. Like I like dogs too, but dogs I, are dumb. <laughs> I I grew up in a household with both cats and dogs. Dogs are so dependent. Like you you have to be there for a dog all the time. Not, cats, not all dogs. Not all dogs, but um but getting off the subject of cats and dogs, uh this series is so good. It makes me so happy. I enjoy every time I turn it on to watch it, it especially since it is, I think, the say it comes out the same day as Promised Neverland, so I need that palate cleanser after getting my like going through the darkness that is Promised Neverland. I need the palate cleanser of oh, this is nice. This is nice and happy. Makes me feel good again. See, and I'm almost, I'm almost, I'm almost the opposite where. I kind of have to go ham into one direction when I'm watching anime. Like, if both shows are on, the like, perfect example, like, Dororo and Promise Neverland I can watch week to week. I can't imagine watching a show like one of those two and then trying to watch a show like Kaguya-sama or Roommate as a Cat right after or even right before because I think mentally I wouldn't be in the right place to really enjoy it. So what I'm probably going to end up doing is watching those shows to week to week and then near the end of the season, basically binging through Kaguya and Roommate as a Cat just so I can just have like a solid three or four hours of enjoying them and not being stressed out about other stuff. So I feel uh, so I had this uh, discussion with uh, another friend, uh, friend of ours where he went and watched Devilman Crybaby without with me just telling him to go watch it. I didn't tell him anything else about it because that's how you ruin that series is by telling any, anybody anything about the series. So he went and watched it, and I was I was sitting at home, and he texts me. He's like, Matt, I need a palate cleanser. I need something to like make me not go to sleep and hate my life. I was like, cool. And I sent him to Gretzko, and then he watched the Gretzko. And he's like, that's exactly what I needed. <laughs> see, I almost – I see, a Gretzko was almost – I almost had the opposite experience with a Gretzko because – at the time like Gretzko came out, I was working a job I was really unhappy at. Yeah. And so while it was really funny, it also hit a little too close to home. Oh no, it's the same reason why people can't watch Watamode. Like, you can't watch Watamode because it gets too real. Yeah. It gets it gets way too real with Watamode. Like, I've talked to so many people that have watched Watamode and they're like, Matt, yeah, I, I had to stop by episode two. I'm like, so did I. It got too much it got too real. It was how how did they know what I was like when I was in middle school? Stop it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's one of those shows where, like, you, you watch it once to say that you did, and you definitely get a lot out of it, but Watamoto it's not one of those. It's so good. It's a great show. It's but so it's, good. It just makes you have to remember that you were like that when you were young, and everybody that's watching Watamode was like that when they were young. Uh, nobody that watches anime was not like Watamode ever. Yeah, seriously. It's, it's the cringiest thing to watch, but it is so good. Uh, we got way off su- off subject, but Roommate is a Cat, also really good. Not cringy. There's no cringe. You can watch it. It feels super nice and happy. And that's, 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 the, that's the season that we've watched. Uh, this seems a lot shorter than last season for, like, things that we watched. I don't know if we want to, like talk about this on on air or off but like do we want to try to like 
force ourselves to watch more series and just like have have bad ones along with good ones or do we want to do something more like this um i think the kind of setting it up like this where you know we meet we meet up you know a few weeks into the season and it's like we've kind of separated the wheat from the chaff almost works better because i mean i would much rather from a at the risk of sounding arrogant from a potential tastemaker standpoint, yeah. I would much rather be able to come to people a month after the season has started and say, hey, here's six to ten shows that are really cool, that are worth your time, worth checking out, as opposed to being like, hey, here's this, you know, here's 25 shows of which, you know, five or six you might watch after the first one. Yeah. I mean, I'd much rather come to people with quantity over quality. Or, or quality, quality over, over quantity, quantity. derp. Yeah. Um. So my only thing, and I'll agree with that, and, we, and I think that's how we're going to do this from now on. Um, I'm just going to put out this way. If you ever see an anime that has the animation at the end, don't watch it. Just don't. Those are always bad. Um, oh, one show that we didn't have on the list that I did want to talk about just oh. briefly. I have not watched it yet. Okay. But I will say this falls under the category of I could see this either being awesome or being terrible. And I really don't know. Okay. Is Magical Girl Spec Ops Asuka. Okay. So I watched the first episode of this. I can kind of tell you a little bit from what I saw. All I saw was Magical Girls with automatic weapons. And I was like, yeah, I want to watch this. So this is... Magical Girl post we defeated the big boss. So now it's Magical Girls that are employed by the gov- by their respective governments as uh, anti-terrorism and as like anti-terrorism and stuff like that for right now. And the main character had the most fucked up thing ever happened to them and they have PTSD from it from when they from when they were a Magical Girl cuz the enemies they fought were little cute little stuffed animals. And they murdered the fuck out of her family when she was not at home. Jesus Christ. She came home and is like, Mom, Dad, I'm home from school. And just walks in. All of a sudden, there's like, she's like, walks in. And there's a little stuffed animal on the table. And she's, and she's like, oh, what's this? And it's like, hey, we have your parents. And she's like, what? And, she's, and it's like, yes, because you keep fighting us. And we're gonna send you them back, and we're gonna give them back to you. And she's like, and it's like, it goes, and we're gonna give it back to you, a bit at a time. Here's the first bit, and literally, their fingers are in a box. What in the literal fuck? This little cute <laughs> animal is sending her parents back in bits. Why have I not already started watching this show? Holy um, shit! It's very edgy and weird. I don't know I don't know how good it is. I've only watched the first episode. There's only like so uh, apparently they there are only six magical girls left after they've beat the big bad. Um I don't know how it progresses. I just know the first episode and the first episode was paced really weird. Um I don't know because like they show that flashback and I think that flashback's happening right now and it's a flashback. Like it's kind of out of place and doesn't make sense to me. It kind of, you know, from I saw, I mean, I um, I read I read a couple of chapters of the manga because I was curious, and I mean, the character designs look really cool, and then I saw the trailer for it, and it looked interesting, but it definitely does kind of seem like one of those premises where you could either make something really amazing or something really stupid with it, and it's yeah. like there's really no in between. And I so like that's just the just the only thing is I don't know. I watched the first episode, but I got too distracted with Boogie Pop, Rising the Shield Hero. Uh, Kaguya, my roommate is a cat, 
and Saint Seiya and Mob Psycho and it, it does seem yeah. like it's kind of fallen off the radar, which is surprising considering the premise. I would have figured with the premise being like that, that that would have been a show that a lot of people were talking about. And I almost wonder if maybe it was just bad timing because of, you know, you got you got shows like The Promised Neverland that are just absolutely like just monopolizing most people's attention in terms of the week to week water cooler discussion. I mean, maybe it might just be that and it might be it's really good. I'll probably come back to it at near season end and we might even talk about it next season because we might both watch it and go, oh, this was really good. Um, it's just like right now there's it, it, it's quality in animation was not super well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like it did not keep my interest. See, and that's another thing, too. They'll have to see once I watch it is, you know. The the art that I saw initially from the manga looked really cool. So if that didn't translate well to animation, that'd be a disappointment. I mean, one show last year that I actually caught a lot of crap for not being a huge fan of this show was Golden Kamui. The story was great, and I liked the premise. My problem was the art style in the manga was so cool looking, and yeah. I was so excited to see it as an anime. Yeah, and then the animation was just so flat. Like so it just it just it just it looked like. A Saturday morning cartoon to me. It didn't look like an anime to me. And sadly, that's just because of it was because the animation studio that had it didn't have the budget to do full on like the full on pure uh, adaptation. Yeah, I feel like the an I feel like that anime still looks good and looks nice. Um, I haven't gotten to finish. I haven't gotten to finishing season one and season two of Golden Kamui, but it's definitely something that I want to sit down it definitely was something i was like i really enjoy this but like i can see that the like the only thing i've watched is the anime i haven't read the manga and i've the an, the animation looked fine to me um it it had the cg bear which was really bad but that was that was the thing that really threw me off in the first episode and like i mean and don't get me wrong i mean i don't think it was for their lack of trying and the thing is i imagine that there's a lot of shows that just are manga that are just really hard to translate in animated form i mean as much as i despise the look of the current berserk series there's a part of me that kind of looks at it from the perspective of i imagine they looked at the art in the manga and were like there's no fucking way in hell we can recreate this in animation no no they could they could they did it in the 90s they could do it again go fucking reanimate berserk is a fucking 2d thing you hack of a by the way the studio is actually doing a really good anime right now (laughs) The studio's fine. It's the director that was bad. Um, studio is doing, from what I've heard, it's a really good one. I haven't watched it. Because I, 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 I honestly, I, I was so excited to watch the new Berserk, and I rage quitted halfway through the first episode. I was I, like, this looks like shit. <laughs> I was like, I'll just read the books, man. I Fuck this. I <laughs> cannot stand that adaptation. And the, like, the bad part is, is that the movies that were CG were all good. All three of the Golden, Golden Age movies. Yeah, they were fine. Were good. But this was, but the series was garbage, and it sucked because it's like, but, but how did you do that? Uh, yeah, uh, it, it almost, it almost, it almost came across like they knew people were gonna watch anyway. They knew people were gonna buy the stuff anyway, so they just figured, well, you know, this guy's fan base is so hardcore, they will buy literally anything we put out. So screw it. Maybe, maybe, and like. It sucks because not even the Blu-ray could save it. Like sometimes, like that's how Toei saves Dragon Ball every time. Is like you watch Dragon Ball in the TV anime and you go, "Oh, look at that key! Look at those keyframes that are just like 
there and like missing and like it's like where what the fuck yeah it's, it's kind of funny watching sometimes when you buy like the blu-ray of a show and you're like oh that's how it was supposed to look yeah, i mean like like uh braves of the six flowers roca was like yeah. that for me because I, I loved that series that was like my number two pick in 2016 for best anime and i remember like actually catching a lot of crap for it because like oh that anime looks like shit and i was like well yeah there are some shots in it that are hilariously off model and look really weird especially in the second arc yeah but my whole thing is just once I bought the Blu-ray of it, it was fine. And, and that's the thing is TV, The when they're animating for TV, they have a very strict timeline and they can't and they can't spend all the time that they need to to animate perfectly. I don't know how Trigger does it, by the way. I don't know what the fuck kind of magic Trigger pulls to do what they do in the time. And same with Madhouse. Madhouse and Trigger and Bones, they are magic. They, they have magic in their hands where they just go... Oh, no, 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 no. There's no missing keyframes in this. The Blu-ray release gets nothing extra. We're just going to just put this animation out and you're going to watch it and go, the fuck? How is this a TV anime? I don't know how those three do it. They are the kings of their genres. They are the kings of the fucking anime genre. I don't fucking... Jesus Christ, they're good. I mean, uh, if we're talking about shows, though, with bad animation, what was that show last season that was apparently so bad that, like, the writers were, like, the, the animators were putting, like, subliminal messages into the credits, like, please help us? That was Conception. Conception is bad. <laughs> Conception is bad as a video game as well. Well, no, actually, the, 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 video game video of, the video game section of that is good. The rest of it is bad. Which sucks because it's by like the Danganronpa team and they're really good, but they made a really bad thing. I don't know how they did it. Oh my god, Conception's so bad. No, 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 that was my writer. Yeah, the no, writer. Oh, that was my my sister, my writer. That's garbage. Yeah, I heard it's like really like I heard it's like so bad you have to watch it. No, <laughs> like so bad you have to watch it is like King's Game. That's King's just, Game was garbage. But it's so bad you have to watch it though. I was so excited to watch that show on two episodes and I was like, this is awful. Like it's not it's not the kind of garbage where it's like good garbage, like killing bites, where killing bites is good garbage. Where killing like, bites is the best kind of garbage. Yeah, like like thank you. Ha! I need you to meet Gable real quick and say that to Gable's face. Killing Bites is I'm going to get stoned off my ass and watch a bad but fun anime. That's the kind of anime I want. It, it's <laughs> manga is so good right now. I, I I had to continue after the season ends into the manga. Holy shit, the manga's good. Holy shit. Oh, my God. Killing Bites is good. Go watch Killing Bites. I'm a bad person for telling you to go watch Killing Bites, but go watch Killing Bites. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I told you this during the end of the year podcast. Also, go watch Killing Bites. <laughs> it's it's bad, but it's good. People give me shit. People call me a furry about this. I will fight them till the end of time. It is good. <laughs> All right. I think we've extended this by like 30 minutes by just talking about random, random bullshit. Are we ready to call it for today? Yeah, I think so. All right, cool. This has been the 26 and Under Seasonal Podcast. This has been your host, Matt, and... Uh, Patrick Pulsar. Uh, oh wait, we didn't even say like how how people could like talk to us or anything. Patrick, do you have like a Twitter or Facebook or anything that you yep use I do for social media? Okay, I do, and I actually have a pretty cool announcement if I can make it. Sure. Um, so I will be hosting a weekly radio show starting Wednesday, February twenty seventh on Radio Vegas Rocks. 
uh, called Pulsar Radio, which will be a two-hour show of me showcasing brand new music. If you like punk rock, indie rock, alternative, metal, hardcore, um, I tend to steer more towards heavy stuff i'll be showing new bands off every week i'll also be giving away tickets to upcoming shows coming to town i'll also be hyping up shows coming to vegas as part of my day job but um i wanted to give people locally something cool and a little bit different in terms of a local music show that you know it wasn't all heavy or all poppy or all top 40 and could you know showcase some cool new bands and i'll be throwing in you know the occasional rants about anime and hockey and wrestling and all the other stuff i'm into so that's going to be pulsar radio every wednesday from 9 to 11 p.m on radiovegas.rock starting february 27th Nice. And then you can find me on Instagram at Pulsar Smash. You can also find me on Twitter at Pulsar Smash. And you can find me on Facebook at Patrick Pulsar Trout. Okay. And for me, uh, I have a Twitter that I'm going to eventually start using, which is at AnimeNRD. We also have the at WorksNRD, which is the uh, po- pretty much the podcast uh, Twitter accounts. And we also have... Uh, uh, at the NRD Works Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash NRD Works, which is where we post up all the stuff that we do for uh, our podcasting and all our stuff, which is mainly just 26 and under in this, honestly. But uh, there might be more stuff coming up soon. We are in the talks of doing stuff with our YouTube channel, which is NRD Works. Uh, You're going to have to look it up on YouTube. We, didn't get, we haven't gotten our YouTube, uh, our YouTube link yet. Um, also, I do stream uh, on Twitch. Very, I'm trying to get get it very regular. Um, currently, my plan is almost, is every weekday, except for Thursdays and Fridays. There are, or I'm, I need to make Thursdays. I may need to make sure Thursdays and Fridays also get streams. But every weekday, except for Thursdays and Fridays, right now there is a stream. Um, currently, at the time of recording, which is. Uh, February 8th, I am still playing Resident Evil 2. Um, I am possibly finishing that uh, next week, which this episode, I'm probably going to try to rush out this podcast and get it out as soon as possible. Um, And uh, after Resident Evil 2, is going to probably move into Kingdom Hearts 3. And that's not because it's the popular game of the time, but because I want to play my goddamn Kingdom Hearts 3, and you guys can't yell at me for it. And then... That Kingdom, I'm hoping Kingdom Hearts 3 puts me all the way to March, where March is planned to be Devil May Cry 5, because it's also in my niche. Shut up that it's the new games. I, I have niches, and they're all getting new games right now. Um, I also do some Magic the Gathering Arena streaming on occasion, where I'm going to be playing, going through ranked and everything. And I do a bunch of other stuff on the, on the Twitch channel, too. And Mondays on the Twitch channel is my friend Henry. Who's a co-host on Twenty Six Under, and he, uh, what, and he does his, and he plays PS4 games that he's missed. So I believe he's still playing Detroit, uh, Become Human, by Dave, by Mister David Cage. Um, I think I'm in the minority here, but I actually really like David Cage's games. I mean, they're fine. I hate David Cage, David Cage's games when you finish them all the time. <laughs> He's bad at writing. You 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 can't say he's not bad at writing. I will say his endings are a bit questionable. Everything in his writing is questionable. <laughs> I he, it falls apart halfway through. All of his games do. 
Henry hasn't gotten to the point where fucking Detroit starts to fall apart. But Detroit falls apart. Like Detroit every- fell apart a while ago, my yeah, friend. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Sorry, bad joke. <laughs> every single David... Oh, God, I'm getting on the David Cage right now. No, we're not doing this right now. Um, so We that- do it live. So that... So that's the Twitch channel. And then we also have 26 and Under, the anime podcast where we watch an anime within a week and then we talk about it. Uh, the current episode or the next episode that is coming up, I believe, let me just go to my uh, handy dandy uh, folder with all my art so I can remember but from the key art. Uh, we just uploaded episode 20. So I believe 21 is next, which is can- uh, Kanon. Which was uh, pretty good. Uh, we're also we're also planning to start live live recording that on the podcast at some point or on, on my stream at some point, but that's requiring us to finish getting all the technical stuff done and also uh, get everybody caught up to where we are now. So and that will also force people to not fucking delay my recordings. Not yelling at you. That's yelling at people on twenty six hundred. Um. Anyways. <laughs> So that's it for uh, this seasonal podcast. This has been Matt. And Pulsar. Signing off. Thanks for watching, guys. Later. I just live by my letter